What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Flexibility is Freedom podcast, where we talk about lifestyle design and passive income. This is episode 10 and week 12 of 2021. In this episode, I'm going to talk about how to set up your first WordPress website, some of the steps that I've taken, and discuss things like design, themes, and plugins. So let's jump right into it. So in last week's podcast, I talked about how I finished selecting my two niches that I'm going to go into. And that was the pets niche and sort of the VPN niche. And this week, I mostly worked on setting up one of the websites, um, taking it from the domain name and getting the branding, the logo, the sort of colors and look and feel of the website set up, uh, as well as adding the key pages. And this took me about maybe three or four days. And I think with the proper steps, it can probably be a task that should take no more than two days. And it could be something that you could even give to a designer or give to a VA to create for you. But the first time you do it, it might take about a week to to get set up. Um, Most of the time is spent figuring out how you want your site to look. And I think once you have a good template, you can actually use that across uh, multiple websites. So the first thing that I did after getting the domain name is to start working on the branding. And when I say branding, I mean things like the logo of the site, the colors that you're going to use, the uh, type of fonts that you want to use, which ones do you want to use for the menu, which ones do you want to use for the text. And these all kind of come together to create a look and feel for users when they come to your site. And I would say that, you know, design is one of those hidden things that we don't quite always appreciate, but you notice it when you go from a website that looks like, you know, it's never been updated since 2005 and a website that was just built, you know, this year. And so design does a lot to convey the trustworthiness of a website, whether people want to say, buy something from that website, put their credit card information on it. And so it's important not to overlook the importance of design, essentially. Um, So for the branding, you know, I kept it simple. Uh, In the past, I've used, you know, paid tools. I used one called LogoJoy in the past to create the logo. But I think it's pretty simple just to go into Canva and for this you actually need a canva pro account you can just get the 30-day free trial and what you want to do is essentially put in the name of your website into canva create a heading uh, and just kind of browse their fonts see which ones make sense for the sort of the story of your website you know if it's a very playful type of theme you want to go with maybe like a cursive type of font if it's a very professional theme you want to go with maybe a blocky more, you know, maybe like a non sans serif type of font. So those are the types of things you want to consider. And I would just say, just take it by trial and error and see which ones look good and put all of your, your shortlisted fonts kind of side by side. And from that, you'll be able to pick out, you know, which ones make sense for the, for the type of website that you're trying to build. And from there, you can even just take a couple of them. And what we're going to do next is actually just put some something on a blank website and just take a look at it. I find that that's usually the best way to tell if something's going to work or not. Um, and the way to do that is just to get started with your, you know, whatever you're using. If you're using a theme in WordPress, if you're using a page builder, in my case, I'm using Oxygen, which is sort of like a page builder. It actually doubles as a theme as well, which is kind of nice. And the first thing that I did was create a header and a footer. Uh, and the way you do this in, in, in a theme, for example, is you would just go to WordPress, you would go to customize under appearance, 
and you would be able to see whatever the theme has as, as its default header and you can just replace the logo that's there with your own logo. Um, you would select maybe some colors to go along with it and just check out how that looks. Create a fake menu so that you can see how that menu looks. And in the footer, you would put some links uh, to some of your key pages, which we'll build later on. And you can also just play around with uh, the overall look of it on desktop, take a look at how it looks. Uh, and then later on, we'll, we'll worry about mobile in the, in the future once you start to actually put things together for mobile responsiveness. But for now, just kind of taking a look at, you know, how does this website look, you know, just with no content, just with a header, footer, uh, and a homepage, how does that look? Does it look trustworthy? How do these kind of elements come together? And that can be helpful. So you know, after getting the, the, the logo done, which for me was just a, uh, a custom font, I didn't put any icons on it. Uh, you can put icons as well. Um, you know, I just didn't want to get too fancy at the beginning and maybe later on, you know, get a custom image made for the website uh, on, a, on a Fiverr or, free or uh, Upwork. But I just had the logo. And then after that, I started to look for my default colors. Um, you know, I, for colors, I like to keep things simple as well. I typically go for a primary color, something that's a bit of a darker shade so that it can go into the back and also works well with featured images. You can kind of make the image a little bit darker um, and, and reduce the transparency. And that way you can have images, but you overlay a, a color on top of it. And after the primary, you want to have like, like a text color and then a secondary color. So text color is usually going to be black. Uh, you can go like a light gray um, or rather a, a lighter sh uh, shade of black, maybe like a dark gray. Uh, that can look good as well. And then for your secondary color, you want something that's going to offset your primary. So if your primary was something like, uh, let's say, red or like a darker shade of, you know, like a mahogany, you want your complementary or your secondary color to be maybe like a green um, or maybe like a blue or very light blue. So something that stands out when you put the two side by side. And the, the secondary color is useful for your call to actions. Um, so the things that you want your user to do, if that's like a buy now button, that's like a, you know, click here, check price button for, you know, affiliates. So the, the two of them combined helps to create this overall aesthetic where users are, you know, they're kind of browsing your site and then certain things stand out to them. And you'll see this done a lot, whether you go onto an e-commerce site or a content site. Um, the wirecutter.com is also a good example. All of their call to actions are in a particular shade of red, including their text links. So, you know, anytime that they stand to make money from a link, it's actually in this red color, you know, to help guide users towards that. So that's kind of interesting. So once you have those basic elements done, the next step is just to create um, the some of your key pages. Now for a website with no content, that is you have no blog posts or anything yet, you just wanna have your basic pages, like you wanna have an about page, you wanna have a contact page. You also wanna have your basic legal pages. So you wanna have a uh, privacy policy and a terms and conditions. So for me, I, uh, I went and got a template. I actually used a, uh, a company called DocPro, which has legal templates available. And I adjusted their privacy policy template and I also downloaded their terms and conditions template. And this time I took a little bit, a little bit more time just to actually go through those documents, make sure they made sense for my business, um, take out parts that weren't necessary. 
uh, and just kind of refine it a little bit more. I think that's a, a good practice as well. Uh, and there's a lot of free privacy policy generators online as well, so you can use those. And then for the about and contact page, you can put what your company is about, what your website's about. You can also have a separate page called a meet the team or meet the author type of page that can just go into the bio of the authors or the people behind the company. And the company page or the about page can be reserved for talking about what is the vision of the website or the company, uh, you know, what is your mission statement, what are your values, you know, that sort of thing. And then for your contact page, you can put either a contact form and you can use any of the uh, plugins that are available or you can put like uh, an email, either that's your business email and you can have different emails as well. You can have a support email, uh, contact email, an info email so that people know which email they should go to if they have any questions. Now, aside from the key pages uh, and the home page as well, which we built um, uh, earlier when you're testing your header and your footer, the last thing you want to have just for this very basic template uh, is to build out your page and your blog post uh, page templates. So when I first built my uh, website two years ago, this is actually something that I didn't quite understand. And so I was building a lot of my blog posts in, in a template format. That is, I was using like a page builder like Elementor and I was building my pages in them. And that's actually not the right way to do it. What you want to do is have a template that overlays onto your your blog posts or your pages and so your pages and blog posts you're actually building those in wordpress itself either in the gutenberg editor which is the new one that has uh, been with wordpress since version 5.0 or you're using the classic editor which is the original uh, wordpress editor and what these templates do is they apply a set of uh, themes or design elements to the page to make them look more you know visually aesthetic or to, or to match your theme more um, so in my example, I use Oxygen, which is fairly similar to Elementor. And what I did was I created a basic template and I added some settings like I want the page title to show up in this type of font, in this type of font size. You know, I want it to be centered. I want there to be, let's say, a background in a particular color, um, maybe add some margin or padding to the to the background element. And I want my inner content, which is the content that's actually coming out of your blog post. I want the inner content to be in a certain place. I want to add some uh, margin and padding to that as well so it looks good. Uh, and then the last thing you would do is check that for mobile responsiveness. So you can check that on a number of screen resolutions. And then you can see that, okay, on mobile doesn't look great because my, let's say my H1 is too big, my page title is too big. Now I want to reduce the size when the screen size goes below like 480 pixels or something. And the same thing for your margins and padding. Maybe you need to reduce the padding so that there's a bit more space on the mobile device so people can read your um, read your blog post a little bit faster. So those would be the types of things you do kind of near the end uh, for your for your overall site design. And I would say for site design, um, it's something you can change later on. Um, one of the things that I learned from from you know running my first website is that you don't want to change your design too frequently. Uh, you want to get it right more or less the first or second time. It is something you can test more as you get more um, advanced. Like if you had, you know, 100,000 users a month and you had a lot of data points, uh, I think it's a good idea maybe to test some of that, test some of the colors for let's say your call to actions, test the placements of things. That's a good practice. 
But when you're focused on growing website traffic, which is um, you know, most of SEO, yeah, you know, changing the design can be a big um, sort of undertaking, especially if you already have a bunch of pages set up. You know, it can take a long time to change the, uh, the design uh, into something that you like, and it can also be a big distraction at times. So, you know, in my experience, it's good to just try to get it right the first time, something that looks good enough, uh, and maybe in the future as you get more advanced, maybe you want to test that, but try to keep it consistent um, so that you're, mo you're focusing more on the content itself and maybe you're focusing on how to get people to convert better. Uh, and the design is kind of, again, it's something in the background. People will not, you know, notice it immediately, but it's something that if it's, if it's lacking too much, people will notice that this is not like a very trustworthy or modern website. All right. So for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start working on content. My plan actually is to start uh, with one of the sites that I'm working on and build what's called a reverse silo. So this is something I picked up from uh, Kyle Roof's on-page course. And it's a, it was a very good on-page course and I went through it. And the reverse silo is this idea that, um, you know, typically when you're trying to rank for a keyword, you need to build a, a target page. So a, a target page is, let's say I want to rank for like um, best hiking boots or something. Uh, my target page would be like, the seven best hiking boots updated for 2021, right? Something like that. And I would talk about hiking boots on that page, yada, 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 we get that. And then in the reverse silo um, concept is to say that you actually need to build out additional pages that are supporting that target page. Um, and the idea is these supporting articles are all gonna link down into your target page and the, the topics of your supporting articles are gonna be related topics uh, to your target page. So in this case, for best hiking boots, I could say, I could write some supporting articles like, when's the best time to go hiking? What are the best places to go hiking? Um, what kind of shoes are good for hiking in the rain or something? You know, you would have a lot of these long tail um, keywords, the uh, long tail topics, and you would just write short articles about them. You don't really worry about optimizing them for SEO necessarily, and you try to use those to add relevancy to your target article. So this way, the idea is that when Google comes and crawls your website, it's gonna crawl a lot of these um, these supporting articles and it's gonna see that there's a link to down to your primary article or your target article. And it's gonna understand that, hey, okay, you know, th this person seems to be linking these articles together. That gives me a bit more of a, a clue as to what the relevance of that target article is. Um, and the way you use these supporting articles as well is, you're going to go out there and, you know, ideally you're going to build some links. Maybe you're going to buy some links. Uh, maybe you're going to use PBNs, what, you know, I don't know, whatever your link building strategy is. And then those will go directly to your supporting articles, which then flows into your target page. So that's a interesting concept that I'm going to be testing this time around. Yeah, I tried to do some of that with my, my uh, first website as well. I didn't quite get really deep into it. Uh, I was producing a lot more target pages than I was supporting pages but this is a, a very interesting concept. And the, and the reason it's called the reverse silo is typically when you build a silo, it's more of, you know, you link down from your homepage into your target page. And then from there, that's kind of it. You maybe have some blog posts and other pages that are kind of somewhere, but they're not always designed with this very specific type of linking uh, practice. So that's something I'll be doing. And uh, I think that's it for this podcast. Um, yeah, hopefully that was helpful for anyone who's looking to set up their website theme and plugins. 
and the design again design being a very very important uh, piece of the overall website and there's a lot of ways to do it um, I have to say I'm, I really like using oxygen uh, so far it has been uh, it, it's not the easiest thing to learn there is a bit of a learning curve I think I'm at the point where I'm very comfortable in terms of figuring things out by myself if you've used Elementor I would say it's not a big change there are some things that are a little less intuitive and oxygen is it's designed more for um, like a professional web designer, someone who knows how to code in CSS. Um, there are a lot of things that I like about Oxygen that make it easier. They let you use classes and you can use classes to basically uh, style things based on what class they're in. And it does. there are some elements that make it very efficient for someone who's designing a website. Uh, and the code itself is very, very lean. So a lot to like there. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys in the next week's podcast and hopefully I'll be uh, able to share more about the reverse silo and how that's been going.